What are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Pop Culture Podcast. What's going on? I hope you're doing well. How's your uh, How's your Wednesday been going? Assuming you're listening to this as soon as it comes out. Maybe it's Thursday where you are right now, but the question still remains, how are you? What's going on in your world? I hope, uh, I hope you've got a little girlfriend this week if you didn't have one. Hope you've got a boyfriend if that's what you're looking for. You know, I hope i got a combination. I hope you've got a combination if, if that's what you're into. Do you know, nightclubs are open again now. Maybe you wanted to muck around a little bit. There's a good-looking guy who used to come into Boost Juice when I worked there, and, and all the girls used to freak out because he was handsome. He must have been like 22, and he had the reputation in Gippsland as, as being bisexual, which for whatever reason, when you're a, a young teenage chick at a Boost Juice company, is very attractive to you. It's very confusing. I'm not sure. I just started going around telling people I'm bisexual too, just for the attention. People were like, ah, oh, so you mean you're gay? I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, ah, oh, you'd have way more luck with guys than girls. I said, hey, I'm not going to keep telling people I'm bisexual now, especially because it's a lie. Because you've got to be able to back up those claims. If, if you meet a gay man, he's a handsome man, he shows interest in you, he's got a good personality, everyone knows he's good looking, and all the girls from Boost Juice are looking at you going, oh, I wonder if he's going to hook up with this guy because he's bisexual. You've got to do it. You have to take one for the team. You can't just be going around and telling people you're bisexual if you can't back it up with action because otherwise you're, you're essentially, that's just the politician of the sex game, isn't it? Talking the talk, but when it comes to uh, walking the walk on your hands and knees, you know, visually speaking, you fall flat. It doesn't. It doesn't quite work that well. So you can't be going around telling people you're a bisexual if you're not. You just gotta. You gotta make up your mind and then just commit to it. But make sure you make up your mind right because you don't want to get to 16 and, and think you're something and then get to 25 and every time it comes time to to kiss the person that you're supposed to love, you go this this person's the wrong gender. You know, I, I'm sure there would have been there would have been so many bisexuals from my school back in the day who who now they're, they're stuck with that reputation. They have to go... Because it's hard to admit you were wrong. You can't just come out and go, well, I wasn't bisexual, I was confused. My, my wife has a... One of her best friends in, in uni, she was she had the reputation of being a bisexual, mainly because it's, it's what she told people she was, which is, which is fine, like, if that's what you want to do. I never really bought it, though, because she spoke a lot more about guys than, than what she did about girls, and she was commonly... Or constantly, I should say, when we were going out, uh, talking about the looks of the guys rather than the girls. And so... Uh, as a result, I, I, I called I called BS. But I remember one day I was nervous because I was living in Ballarat. This is about 2008, and Jessie was telling me that she's going to stay at a bisexual friend's house. I said, oh, what, you sleep in a spare room? She's like, babe, like, girls, we don't do that. We we just go to the room and we just sleep in a double bed. I said, hey, you got to watch your parts, babe. She goes, what are you talking about? See, she's, bi, she's bisexual. You know, she's going to, when you're asleep, she might cuddle up to you and, and start trying to make moves, you know. And if you're, if you're asleep, that just becomes part of a dream. You wake up a lesbian. It's happened to plenty of people. Plenty of straight women go to bed with a bisexual woman, wake up with a magic touch, bang, lesbian. It's tough to explain to your friends as well, because if you've if you've gone to bed straight and woken up a lesbian, that's a that just seems like a heck of a dream that's taken you to a destination that you, you never imagined that you'd go. But they're the struggles. That's the struggle of being a human, isn't it? Sometimes you, you just got to wrestle with the fact that, hey, if you go to bed and sleep on the wrong angle, you might wake up the uh, you might wake up attracted to the same sex, which I have no issue with. But if you're attracted to the opposite sex the night before you went to bed, then it's just confusing, isn't it? It's hard to Google search that. Like, what do you Google search? I feel like those results would be filtered. Probably be encouraged. Like, Google, I'm pretty sure Google's really 
really into that kind of thing now. I, th- I think they want sort of younger generations to be gay, uh, to be attracted to the same. So I don't know what it is. There's plenty of good-looking guys. I just don't want to touch. I just don't want to touch. Them. Like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I've stood at, I've stood at too many urinals in my time and and seen too many too many old boys to to really think seriously about ever pursuing that. I, I'm a happily married man, you know, and I'm I'm saying that not to not to convince myself that it's true, but just to just to let you know sort of where I'm at. You know, if you came over and started doing a nudie run near me, even if you had a gym membership, a good body, and you know you were you're doing pretty well downstairs, I'd go. You know, I'm I'm pretty happily married. I'm not that interested. Doesn't matter how big the cricket bat is. I, I'm an AFL boy. Is is the way I like to put it. So it doesn't matter. You know, I don't care if Sachin Tendulkar used that bat. For me, I, you know, I'm more interested in footy. I feel like there's a couple of flaws in in that analogy. I, I went a little bit a little bit skew if I, I lost track of, of where it was going. But I, I hope you understand where we're at. It's just maybe I think I'm due for my third coffee today. Maybe that's what it is. Um, it's it's currently uh, what's the time? Okay, it's about 12.30. Yeah, th- third coffee, the last one for the day could be due. So, hey, you know what? But we'll warm up to this. We'll, we'll get into this together. We'll get into this together. I had a late night last night as well. I, I caught up with a couple of friends. I, I went to a mate's house. and uh, So it, it's weird catching up with old friends, isn't it? Because you start reminiscing about the old times. You start reminiscing about just the crazy stuff that you've been through together. And, and there's, a, there's quite a few things that we went through together that uh, I always thought was just going to stay between us. Just some stories that, well, you know, I probably would have preferred just to stay between us. But but when you get a couple of drinks in, you've got a table full of friends, the stories start flowing. Um, you get pretty open, you get pretty loose about the stories that you're willing to share. And, and last night, I was, I was regretting a lot of decisions that I made at the age of about 17, 16, 17, to be honest. Because uh, context is an important thing. And, and when you and a couple of mates are causing trouble together... Uh, you know, it's all in context. You're doing it together, spur of the moment. You understand the humor. You understand what's going on. But but when the stories come out without context, all of a sudden, yeah, it find you find yourself in a little predicament because you don't have time to really explain and justify uh, the actions which are, are being attributed to you. And one of the girls there last night, she was from Belgium. Her her natural language is French, so the, she was confused as it was. Like she spoke really good English, but there's a couple of things that were being said. That even I didn't understand, and and I'd sort of I'd been uh, you know I'm, I'm born and raised in Australia where where English is is predominant language in in most suburbs. There, there's exceptions, which is fine. I used to live in Dandenong. There was I'm not sure. There's little Middle Eastern pockets just here and there. Like there's little me, Middle Eastern pockets, little Indian pockets. Um, I re- it really shocked me in London. Actually, I remember going for a street, and all of a sudden you're you're in the middle of London, and then all of a sudden you're you're in the middle of it feels like you're, you're sort of in, I don't know, like a Middle Eastern country. It's really strange how, how people just find themselves with their people. I don't know what that is. I used to spend more time in the Middle Eastern areas because, because I'm a vegetarian and they've got, so many, they've got so many good meals, so many good falafel meals. I don't know what it is about Middle Eastern people, but they've just nailed that chickpea dish. And Muslims know how to cook a chickpea dish is, is what I've taken away. Which makes it hard for Ramadan. I reckon if I was a Muslim, the, the whole way through Ramadan, I'd be thinking about these chickpea dishes that they do. I used to work at a school in London, and, and every lunchtime I'd, I'd walk around the corner and uh, I'd go into my, my Middle Eastern mate's restaurant. And, uh, and and by the end of it, he was like, man, I was, I was sitting with him and his family in this, like a sloppy, was like a sloppy spinach and, and a, a chickpea dish. It was fantastic. 
Yeah, there's a lot of, I think Indian's my favorite though. I'm gonna say, I reckon Indian's my favorite food of all time. When we first moved to London, uh, we moved into like a, it was a little hostel, but it didn't have a kitchen. And as a result, we, we were there for a week and a half. We had no idea it didn't have a kitchen. So so we were just eating at a re Indian restaurant. By the, by the end of the week, I was part Indian. I had that little dot in the middle of my head. Um, I had a real appreciation for cricket. It was amazing. I, I, I knew like I knew the, the health benefits of turmeric. But it was funny, the guy started teasing me because we'd go in there for breakfast and he's like, Tyson, it's 9 a.m. Even we don't like Indian food at this time. I was like, you're my only option. I'm trying to put on some weight and you guys have high protein vegetarian meals. He goes, we don't open for two more hours. I go, can you do something on the side for me, brother? He goes, no, I've known you four days. And the vegetarian meals are cheap. You're not bringing a whole heap of income to this place. I said, mate, I'm here breakfast, lunch and dinner with my wife. And he goes, she's just here for company. All she does is drink our tap water. I said, look, you're overanalyzing the situation. I said, do India proud. Give me an early meal. He goes, no, India doesn't know who you are. I won't be doing you anything. But by the end of the week, I won him over. Me and him, we, I wouldn't say we're tight, but, but from like a waiter to customer ratio, I think we were, we, were, we were doing pretty well. We were doing pretty well. The thing that motivated me back in the day when I used to be a, I used to be a waiter at La Notte, it means the night, an Italian restaurant on Ligon Street here in Melbourne, was, was we used to have a tip jar. And, and what did my head in was my boss, he used to always say that when you get tips, you have to put it in the communal jar like we're some little communist Italian restaurant. But the thing was, people skills was my thing. I'd go out there, I'd put on a show, I'd entertain, I'd have fun. I'd forget a lot of meals and drinks, but the conversation was good while we were doing it. So naturally, I had a reputation for being king of the tips. King of the tips, that's T-I-P for Peter S. I didn't want anyone else to think that while I was in a relationship with my woman, I was king of the, king of the tits. Because I definitely wasn't. I was a middle distance runner at that time. I was you know, I was going out with Jesse. Um, we met in the church as well, so I wasn't even the king of the tits in my own household at, at that stage. You know, 11 years later, we've been married for a little while. I'm not going to call myself the king of them, but I'll tell you, I'm past the apprenticeship phase. That's what I always say. When you're past the apprenticeship phase, you, it means your skills are a little bit more established, a little bit more refined. It means you're... Uh, you know, your, your gestures are a little more subtle. You're not, you're not doing so many nipple, gripple type sort of grabs. You're doing more, uh, I guess you would call them a caress. I just choose the wrong moments to do it is my problem. I'll, I'll go up when she's washing the dishes or, or when she's just, you know, trying to bath Charlie, uh, when she's talking to friends. You know, just little times like that. I like to get her by surprise. I don't, I don't like her to know. I don't want to anticipate when, when, the, little, uh, when the little grab's going to come because it takes away the enthusiasm. Yeah, unless they do that little jump. Uh, when you grab it, it's not as exciting. I'm not sure if this is sexual assault in my own household. I probably should stop talking about that before I uh, speak to a lawyer. But I mean, she's never, uh, I was going to say she's never hit me for it, but that's not true. Actually, it's it's probably the most common reaction. I'll, I'll go for the old, uh, the, the sneak up reverse grab. And uh, actually, it's probably about a 95% success rate that she hits me. So maybe I should be reporting the, the abuse in this household because uh, we said, we said when we got married that what's hers is mine, what's mine is hers, and, you know, if I'm getting whacked for trying to grab what's mine, you've got to be careful talking like that, though, in 2022, because when you say what's mine is hers, what hers is mine, uh, people get a little bit uptight. It's... Hmm. I even get nervous sometimes. Uh, like I, I used to be a school teacher, and I'd go into a classroom and say, good morning, boys and girls, and because of all the talk that's been going on the last couple of years, I'd get nervous saying that, just... 
nervous, some little some little they's gonna yell yell out to me, hey, can you call me they? Like boys, girls, and they. I that happened to me a few years ago. I was I was doing a talk at a uh, it was a university a university function. Back in my motivational speaking phase, I was getting up on stage and, and just telling people, "Hey, you know, you want to you want to build a great mind." I was I was finding myself. <laughs> I think it's what it's called. I think that's what life coaches are, aren't they? They're people who are trying to they're people who are trying to find themselves. I know there's exceptions to this rule, but essentially, I think I look back at that scene now and I go, "Okay, well, I wasn't 100 percent sure what I wanted to do, uh, but if I could just act confidently, tell people how they should live while they do what they do, then you know, mate, surely that's got a paycheck. <laughs> surely that's got a paycheck and you know, I'd gone around different schools and different organisations, and, and one of them I did was Federation University down in Gippsland in Victoria, and I remember I got there, and there was a, there was a group of ladies just about to get up on stage, and I go, hey guys, how we doing? And one of the girls at the back was like, we're not guys, we're women. And I was like, whoa, shit, I haven't spent much time at uni over the last couple of years. I forgot that there's a, you know, it's a, it's a, even just a greeting, just a general greeting of how you going, ladies and gentlemen, can be a, can be quite controversial in 2022. Because, hey, why, why not overcomplicate everything? That's what I always say. You know, if the, if the, the recipe only requires three ingredients, chuck four in. Make it interesting. Keep everyone guessing. Don't assume that the recipe, the way it's always been, is the way it's supposed to be. Every now and then, if it says, hey, don't add salt, add a little bit of salt. Take a couple of the key ingredients out. If you're doing toast, try putting a crumpet in there. Mix it up. Call him a girl. Call him a guy. See who responds. Anyway, that was awkward because I thought it was a, I thought that'd be a fun icebreaker. Before I got up on stage, I, I got up on stage. I said, hey, you know, it's been a while since I've been at a university. I've, I've obviously, you know, I've missed a couple of the cues. I've just met a group of women and said, hey, guys. And one of the girls corrected me and said, we're not guys. We're actually women. We're powerful women. <laughs> you know, we're powerful. Because you've got to click. you got to click when you do it. Otherwise, it doesn't quite count. And uh, anyway, I said that story. I said, oh, man, this university is about girl power. And all the girls are just there going like this. What's the click? You know, I was sitting in a conversation with a with a girl and a guy in Melbourne the other day, a couple of comedians, and and the guy said something that the girl liked, and she started going like this. Ah, oh. I was looking at both of them because he's going like he's sort of looking at me like, yeah, the click. It's an acknowledgement that what I said was good. I said, why can't you just say that's a good point? And he goes, no, no, because it's in the clicks. It's less energy. I feel like this is more energy than just saying, yeah, it's a good point. Anyway, what do I know? I'm 35 years old now. It was 20 years ago that I was 16 hanging around with my mates that I caught up with last night. And we were, so we were sitting around the table and, and Kale, his name is, he's lived in Belgium for the last five years. We were, we were like best mates and then we haven't seen each other for five years and then last night we were best mates again. I forgot that it had been a long time between drinks. So, so me and him were happy to catch up and uh, man, I've, there was a, there's a couple of, there's a couple of stories. He goes, hey Tyce, do you remember that story about when we were camping and we were having a shower? I said, one sec. What was the story about when we were camping, we were having a shower? He goes, yeah, we were in that busy shower that time, and you yelled out to me, hey, t hey, Simo, I need your help. My, my dick's stuck in the grate. And the girls were pissing themselves laughing because it makes it sound like I was laying on the floor with my willy in the drain. That's what I heard. I said, Simo, I don't remember this. I don't remember this story at all. Everyone's laughing, going, Toss, how'd you get your dick stuck in the grate? I was like, I think, I think, I think it was just, I was just trying to be funny, like it was a full shower block. It, well, I assume, I assume it would have been a full shower block and I was just trying to get a little bit of attention while I was having a shower 
And and so I just yelled out, "Hey Simo, my dick stuck in the grate." To see the response of other people, but but fast forward the clock twenty years, and and without the context of just knowing that I was trying to tell a joke, I was sitting with, you know, three of my or two of my best mates and and all of our wives, and they're all looking at me going, or the women especially going, "What, Tice? What? What? How did your dick get stuck in the grate?" I go, "No, I was just being funny." They go, "No, don't be embarrassed. Tell us." I said, "I'm not embarrassed. I'm just I'm trying to offer you." like a bit more of an overview on what really happened. You can't just say, don't be embarrassed, tell us. Well, I'm telling you the truth. It was a joke. They said, oh, you're just too embarrassed to tell us how your dick got stuck. I go, no, no, it wasn't stuck. It To me, it sounds like I was trying to say it was stuck in the drain because it was so long, like I was standing there and it got stuck in the drain. That's I feel like that would have been my joke. But based on the fact I've got a little, uh, you know, a little bit powerful, a little bit powerful, Willie. You know, so I don't think it's powerful, but you can't say it's little without something positive at the end of that, can you? Because if you just start telling people you've got a little willy that's not powerful, it just doesn't sound, I don't know, it just doesn't sound very impressive. So it was little but powerful. It's the entree of, of, of the dinner, which is, that's a weird, that's a weird kind of an analogy to use, isn't it? Because no one, like small but yummy is what I was, yeah. Small but yummy. There's there's so many things wrong with with this podcast. Despite the fact we're sixteen or seventeen minutes in, there's there's just some things that you, you're not really allowed to say that that we cross every week. And so I just want to acknowledge the fact that I'm aware of I'm aware of that. I'm aware of what's going on. Um. Yeah. So so that was a difficult situation, and then it started to it started to come out through the course of the conversation that that I had a real appreciation for spending time in the nude. Like there was plenty of stories of me where it was like, all right, Tyson had his clothes off again. One of the stories he told. This was I was kind of proud of this one, and it's a story I remember quite well. And and I, I wouldn't take it back, despite the fact it was a very cold day, um, and and we've just established that I'm not working with a whole heap as it is anyway. So so I went down to Malakuta, Kale and uh, and Jocker and I, uh, we all went down to Malakuta, which is Simo's parents' house. And uh, we got there, and and when we got there, Simo was like, "Hey, I've got I've got a boat. We can row across to that little island across the across the water there. It was a, a couple of hundred meters, maybe 150. It felt like a long way, you know, because we were distance runners and didn't have powerful arms. So the rowing of that boat was, you know, it was always more difficult for us than what it would have been for just the average strength kind of male. And so." And so it was an adventure for us guys. We went we went across the the little river or the ocean. I can't remember where it was, but it doesn't matter about the the geography of the situation. It's more the story. And we got to the island, and and in, in excitement of of just getting across to the island on this freezing day, I took all my clothes off and jumped in the water. And both of my mates were like, "What are you What are you doing?" I said, "I was just taking off all my clothes to jump in the water." And they said, "Yeah, like we we see what you're doing, but why why are you doing that?" I said no because I thought it would be funny. I thought it'd be funny if I took off all my clothes and jumped in the water. I thought you guys would laugh, but they were sort of just looking at me like, "This is weird. This is uncomfortable, Tice. Like you can you you can be seen from the mainland here. Like a lot of people can see you if they want. And we all have to row back together. And now you're standing here in the nude trying to have a normal conversation like you haven't just done what you've done. They're the hardest conversations to have as well. When you've done something which was supposed to be funny, you're in a vulnerable position. In this situation, naked, you're standing there, you know, you've just hit puberty at the age of 17. So you're working with a bit of fluff and a tiny bean. It was a cold day, as I said. We've already established that. And, and they both said, Tyson, just put your clothes on. And I was, I was like, well, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it off now. Because I'm so embarrassed, I, I doubled down. I said, "Well, that's okay. Well, 
all right, well, leave your clothes off. And then when they let me go a little bit, I put my clothes back on. We got back in the boat, and they're going, Toss, that was ridiculous what you just did. I said, hey, we've already established that. I thought we were boys having fun. You know, there's a couple of laughs in there. I made them sound like they were half judges, but we were pissing ourselves, really. They said, what are you doing? I said, like, oh, sorry, boys, I got excited. I thought you would, uh, you know, I thought you would, you'd sort of get where I'm at. I, thought, I actually thought you guys might have joined me. I mean, Jockey, you're 6'4", Kale, you're 6'1". Um, you didn't have much competition. And then we got back in the boat. We started approaching the, the shore, which was, wasn't too far away. And we saw, we saw a couple of people just sitting on a bank having a little chuckle. We thought, hey, look at these people having a bit of a chuckle. And then as we got closer, we realized it was actually Kale's mum and dad sitting on, sitting on the bank. I thought, that's embarrassing. But they wouldn't have been able to see too much from there because it was just far, far enough away that you, you couldn't get a real grasp on what was going on. And as we, as we rode a little bit closer, we realised Kale's mum, had a, she had a set of binoculars in her hand. They were obviously just doing a little bit of... Uh, unless they had a crush on me, which I don't think was the case by, by any means. I don't think that's what it was. I think they were just looking out for the health and safety of a couple of young teenagers rowing across the ocean to get to an island. And, uh, and they got a nasty surprise. A, a little bit nasty surprise is, is what they got. And I said, oh, yeah, the mosquitoes over there were insane. So many mosquitoes over there. They got stuck in my clothes. I had to take them off because I thought I was getting attacked. Kale's mum was like, oh, there's, no, there's not really any mosquitoes around. I said, that's true. She goes, you just, you just wanted to take off your clothes, didn't you? I said, yeah. I go, did you see anything? They go, we saw. We saw it all. I said, it's cold today, isn't it? How cold is it? It's freezing. It's so freezing. <laughs> We were weird. Distance running kids are weird. Like, like I say we because I'm embarrassed about the fact that that story just made me look a little bit weird. But but the next day, I remember we got up there and, and our, we were all distance runners, as I said. And our longest run at that stage was about 8K. We'd go for an 8K run every now and then. And, and Jocker, being a hero that night, said, hey, let's run a marathon tomorrow. And so we did. Um, and, and that's something that's been baked into my memory because you shouldn't run a marathon when you when your longest sort of when the longest run that you've ever done is 8K because we, we went through it. We went on a journey together, us boys. I remember his parents met us halfway and had like a little tin of biscuits. It was 17K, 17K in and we were all exhausted. And uh, we thought, no, no, we'll, we'll, we'll run back. That's what all the great runners would do. We watched one too many Kenyan documentaries and and all of a sudden, you, you know, you think you can run a marathon off no training. It's just, it's just not how it, it's just not how it operates. You're gonna forgive me. I keep looking up into this corner over here because I've got a, I've got a PC behind me, and uh, my, I don't want to make a, a big deal out of it. But I've, I've got the stock market in the background. You know what I mean? I'm looking at lithium stocks, and, and here's my situation. I think CXO is, I think it's overpriced right now. I mean, it shot up a couple of days ago off no news. And it's still hanging around those short the, that those uh, those prices. So I watched the big short a couple of weeks ago, and and so I put in a little cheeky short order, and I've just got my eye on it because I can't lose too much money. I can't allow myself to to become too vulnerable to risk. But I've got the chart in the background, so if you see me looking across there, it's just because um because I'm a pretty serious stock. I'm a pretty serious trader. Do you know? It's I'm saying that tongue in cheek. If you can't say my face, I'm not. I think yeah, I'm literally fifty cents up. That's not even me. That's what I am. It's barely moved since the order that I put in about an hour ago. So I'm starting to think I probably should just cancel it and, and focus on you guys. But, I mean, multitasking's always been a skill of mine. Multitasking's always been a skill of mine. Anyway, I, I say that, but I've just been distracted from my own conversation, the own stories. And um, 
I mean, uh, here's another one. I think I've told you guys this before, but there was a there was a story of of me and Jocker in Gippsland one night because I don't just want you guys to think that I'm the only one who takes his clothes off. And it would have been two a.m. We were still up, and we said, "Hey, let's do a nudie run." He goes, "I don't really want to do that." I said, "No, nah, come on, it's my house, my rules." He goes, oh, "If this is gonna just help you relax, like you can, I will do a nudie run." So I said, "Okay, we'll run across to Macca's and back." He goes, "Macca's isn't that past the main road?" I go, "Dude, it's two o'clock. No one knows us here." And so we started running, and as I said, he's six foot four, so most of the attention was on him and what he was he was sort of working with because not much of mine could be seen. And we got to the main road and heard a car horn toot, and I got home and I had a missed call. I thought, that's weird for, for 2 o'clock. I didn't have the number saved, so I called it back. It was my auntie, my auntie Sue. And uh, she goes, Toss, what are you doing, mate? I said, hey, no, not much, just taking it easy. She goes, look, I've, I've just got home from Melbourne. I said, oh, have you? She goes, yeah, I was just driving down the main street of Trelgan. I said, oh, just now. She goes, about five minutes ago. I said, hey, isn't that interesting? Do you see anything? And she goes, mate, just way, way more than I wanted to see. I saw so much more than I wanted to see. I'm really disappointed. I said, it's cold, isn't it? She goes, mate, it's the middle of summer. It's boil. It's 30 degrees right now. It's 2 a.m. I said, no, but I was, sitting in a, I was sitting in a cold room, sitting in a cold room before. And then the, the other stories that came up last night, we started talking about how good slash like the, the truth was bad that we were with girls back in the day. We started talking about all the, uh, all the attempts that we made to pick up. And uh, I remember Simo, he started just talking about stories of me and, and the moves that I used to make. And uh, I had my wife there just with her head in her hand looking disappointed because it's difficult talking to girls when you're young. It's difficult talking to girls if you're, if you're single maybe. But I always liked that challenge. I always liked the challenge of going up to someone who was way out of my league and going, um, you know, I know I've just met, but maybe you could be my girlfriend forever because <laughs> I love you. They go, that's very forward. I said, well, help me. I, I, don't, I don't know how to do this. Just help me. Help me know what to say the next time I'm in this situation. They said, look, you're very, you've, you've got to play more hard to get. I said, if I played hard to get, would you be interested? They would always say, not really. No, you're not very tall. You're very skinny. You're very skinny. Like disgustingly skinny. Like if I touch you just on your rib there, I can I can feel the bone. It's like you've got like a little sheet just wrapped over the bones in your body. You're gross. I said, okay, well, what would I need to do to impress you? And they said, honestly, like you just have to be different. I said, like just different in my looks. They said, no, a different person. I said, okay. So you're saying this? You're saying I'm not a chance? They said, yeah, you're not. I said, can I buy you a drink? And they said, have you got the point? I said, yeah, but I just feel like I need a thank you for that advice. They said, I feel horrible accepting a Bacardi Breezer off you. I've just insulted you and who you are. I said, it doesn't matter. It's, you know. I said, what if I got a facelift? They go, honestly, it's more than just the face. It's personality. I said, what? All right, just give me something I can work with. They said, all right, change everything about yourself and then come and see me. I said, even my gender? They go, even that, because I'm going through a bisexual face. <laughs> oh... Yeah, I remember Jocker told me off one day because we were at a nightclub and, and I was in a bit of form. I'm going to be honest, I was in a little bit of form this night. I don't know what it was. You know those nights where just words fly off your mouth and yeah, you're having one of those moments where like the things that you're saying, they're a little bit funny and you're just sort of jelling with the people around you and for whatever reason, you're just like, all right, I'm in form here. I'm in form here. I was in one of those moments. I was in one of those situations and uh, and I thought, all oh, right, I'll help the other boys out. And I remember going up to one of the girls and I was like, hey, i got a mate over here. He's, uh, he's interested. He's single, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I'm interested as well. And I went back to him and he goes, mate, I can I can talk to girls by myself. I said, oh, well, this is just, I'm in real good form tonight. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to help you out a little bit. 
Hmm. I'm glad I'm married now. I'm glad that part of our life's over. It's too stressful. It's too stressful. I have no fear asking Jessie if I can buy her a drink these days. I go, baby, you want a drink? And she goes, I'm not interested. I go, what do I need to change? She goes, just change who you are as a person. <laughs> no, Jessie's lovely. She's uh, she's good. She's a she's a good little she's a good little lady. Ah, oh, anyway, I had a couple of other stories. Is it is there anything else that I've written down here that I I think you'll find interesting? I was I was excited to tell you that penis stuck in the in the great one, but there's no way of telling that story and not looking like a creep, is there? Really? You can't be telling you, you people you got your penis stuck in anything. I remember I remember that particular trip. There was I'd never kissed a girl at that stage, and I was like, all right, I'm 16 years old, or or maybe I had a little kiss in year six, but it was just like a peck on the lips. Do you know, I was I was looking for I was looking for the next the next phase in the uh, in the in the kissing game. And I remember there was a girl there, and for whatever reason, she was very interested in a skinny little distance runner by the name of Tyson Popplestone. But she's a bit bogan, she's a bit fat, she wasn't pretty at all. But I thought I'm half a chance. And I remember I must have been way more obvious than what I thought I was because Kale's dad pulled me aside. He goes, "Hey, Tyson," he goes, "Mate, you can do better." I go, "What are you talking about? I'm not interested." He goes, "Tyson." I'm a lot older than you. I've been through the game a lot more regularly. I can see you're interested. You're not interested in the girl. You're interested in in the kiss. And I said, "Well, you actually, you've read that perfectly. You've read that. You've read that. You've read that just mind-blowingly close to to what it actually is." And he goes, "Yeah, I've, you know, I recognise it a mile away, mainly because you're incredibly obvious about it." He goes, "Maybe just maybe just give her some space. Just let that one slide, eh?" And I go, "Oh God, you know, I thought I was a chance." He goes, "Yeah, you would. Be, you're a chance." He goes, but so is my Labrador. He goes, I think she's that kind of girl. I said, wait, one, one sec. Did you just, did you just say that she'd be interested in maybe hooking up with your Labrador? He goes, that's, that's exactly what I said. Anyway, she came over to where we were staying later. She was patting the Labrador, just trying to be nice, being friendly. I was like, oh my gosh, they're about to do it. It's funny when you're 16 and a parent says something, you just buy, you buy into it too much. I was getting nervous. I was like, oh no, she's feeding the dog bread. Is this foreplay? What am I witnessing? I've heard horror stories that these are on the internet. I don't want to see it right now live. Is someone going to stop her? Please stop her. I, I still want to kiss her, but I can't if she kisses a Labrador. And so I dodged that bullet. I mean, I, I use hyperbole to make a point. She she wasn't that kind of person. I don't reckon, honestly, I reckon the furthest she would have got to with that dog was first base. Is first base still the same? His first base is just kissing, isn't it? I'm pretty sure. First base was just kissing back in the day. I'm pretty sure first base these days is getting fisted. <laughs> That's disgusting. I'm just saying the times have changed. Times have changed. I remember when I was a school teacher, I'd see kids just in the like the, the yard in primary school sometimes having a kiss behind a shed. I thought, oh my gosh. This is insane that people have the confidence to do this. I remember I saw my mate kiss Chantel Costello on the back of the bus on the way home from Albany camp. Year 7, 1999. Full patch, too much tongue, a lot of saliva. A lot of saliva. And I remember thinking, well, where, like, where does the interest in this come from? Because that is horrific to witness. But all the boys, are, they, they're doing, up the back just doing the yell. They're cheering, they're yelling. The girls are like, wow, Ryan Yearsley, you're so hot. I love the way you kiss. I was like, fire, it looks like a praying mantis. He's trying to eat her face. I'm pretty sure her nose was in his mouth. You don't know how far open to have your mouth on the early kisses either because you, you can only get better with practice at whatever you do. And I mean, you've got to start somewhere. And if, you know, if the early days you've accidentally got the, the tip of their nostril in your, in your mouth as you're trying to go for a kiss, so be it. Next time, focus on, on maybe just that little, on that like little ski part of their, their lip. Maybe next time, just focus on that. You know, every now and then you're going to slip, you go the wrong side, you'll get their chin a little bit. They'll look down at you like, why are you biting my chin? I go, I've never done, I've never done this before. I'm not 100% how to do it. 
can you just give me instructions? They go, just, you know, like step one, try and just keep your mouth on mine. I was like, sorry, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why I did that. I was trying to get the sleep out of your eye. They go, you're like, it's, it's not very nice. It's not very nice. I remember that. I remember seeing people kiss in the early days and going, oh, that doesn't look natural. I, I feel like you're trying too hard. I see people in the distance running scene now try too hard and they hold a lot of tension around their shoulders and in their wrists and in their hands. And you go, okay, they're, they're trying very hard, but they're, they're not quite getting it right. There's a few things they need to adjust. And I think in the kissing world, that's the equivalent of it. You'll see people with, with the tip of their girlfriend's nose in their mouth and go, ah, his mouth's too wide. If you've got your bottom lip on the bottom of their chin, your top lip on the top of their nose, it's like, you're a praying mantis. You're not, that's not a romantic kiss. No matter how encouraging that woman is, she's not happy with that, that situation she's found herself in. She's scared for her life. She could think you're an anaconda and you think she's a rat and you, you're just trying to, you're trying to eat, you're trying to eat a whole body. That's what that appears to be. So if you're, a, if you're a young listener, hey, tip for you. If any part of your mouth is on her nose, unless you both agreed on some little weird kink that you're into, Bring it back just to the lips. Just bring it back. Bring it back to the mouth. I remember I had a, a girlfriend in year five. She was grade seven in WA. Erica Vanderbroek, her name was. And she was cool. She's a, you know, she's a, she's a naughty kid. I was a naughty kid. I thought, oh, cool, this is cool. Like, this is a match made in heaven. Two naughty kids. And uh, anyway, one of her friends sent me a message um, just on a piece of paper because it was 1997 when I was in year five. And she said, hey, Erica wants to kiss you after school. And all the boys are going, hey, Tosh, you're going to get a kiss. I was like, yeah, boys, I'm not even that scared. And that. But I didn't know. Like, what do you, when you're in year five, there's so many different levels. I understood what a pash was then, but I wasn't equipped to do it. It was nine years before I, uh, I had my opportunity to try one of those out. But I remember I was, I was riding home from, I was about to leave school that day. I was on my bike, and, and she came around the back of the school where my bike was. She goes, hey, Tosh, where are you going? And I said, hey, sorry, I'll come to try and find you. And she goes, you said you were going to kiss me. I was like, I am. She's like, come on then. And everyone was around, and as I got closer, I was like, "Do I kiss you on the lips?" She's like, "Yeah." And we had a little, we had a little kiss, and um, but it was just a, it was just a little peck. Do you know what I mean? She got excited by that because apparently, uh, here's it. How's this? So I don't know. Maybe, maybe first base was more advanced even back in the day there because I remember it was, it was like her. What was she? Year seven. So that was twelve. It's like a twelve or thirteenth birthday, and I was, I was ten. And one of her friends came to me saying, hey, it's Erica's birthday in the next couple of weeks and you're invited. Like, hey, cool, that's good because I'm a boyfriend. Like, that's, that sounds pretty normal. And the person goes, yeah, yeah, she wants you to know that um, when you go to the birthday, if, if she goes into the room, it means that she wants you to follow. And I go, what, why? And he said, uh, well, it's, she said, if, if she's got her shirt off, you know what to do. And I said, no, I don't. I don't know what to do. I'm going to be honest. I've got that terror. I'm scared. I'm so scared of that. Like, I'm, I was so scared just to kiss her on the lips. That was, that was one base too far for me. Do you know what I mean? We needed to start at holding hands. What do you mean she's going to have her shirt off? Is that legal? I think we're both too young for this to be legal. And the guy goes, well, that's just, that's just the message she's passed on. I thought this woman's got too much confidence to me. I'm out of my depth. I'm just going to, I'm going to have to hit pause for a couple of years. So I broke up with her the next day. You can't be... You can't be a boyfriend who, if your girlfriend has her shirt off and, and says, hey, come into my room, you, you're too scared to do it. I, I, I don't know. It feels weird talking about it because we're so young. We're both very young. 
We're both very young. I'm sure that would never have happened. Maybe it was just it was just one of those moments where I think you say something because you want to try and impress your friend, and then it comes to the crunch. You're like, oh my gosh, did you actually tell him that? I was joking. That was it. She was probably embarrassed as well, is what I was saying. I remember we had a teacher at my primary school at Gray Street, Mr. Villan, and he told me off one day, and I went to my I went to one of my mates and I was like, Can you go tell Mr. Villan I said he's a dickhead? And he was like, Oh and obviously I didn't mean it. Obviously, I didn't mean it. I was in grade three or four. It was like 1994, seven years old. Anyway, next thing I know, an announcement comes over the school speaker. It's Mr. Villan going, Tyson Popplestone, can I please speak to you? I was like, oh, that's a coincidence. Like, Mr. Villan, I've just told a mate to call him a dickhead, and, and now he's contacted me. So Mr. Villan called me, and I said, hey, Mr. Villan, what's up? And he goes, uh, one of your mates just said that you said I'm a dickhead. And I was like, uh... Yeah, I've, you know, I've got to stop hanging around with a lot of liars these days. <laughs> I can't remember what I said. I would have tried to dig my way out of that because I couldn't have Mr. Villan thinking that, you know, I actually said that. Because can you imagine the trouble? There's too much trouble associated with a conversation like that. And when you're not around your mates, you don't have the confidence to back it up. I think, honestly, what, what would have happened knowing me is I probably would have started try, uh, crying, asking him to call my mum because I had a bellyache. That was my old tactic. If I ever got in trouble at school, I'd go, oh, I've got a bellyache, call mum. I remember my mum, first day of her new job, she got the call from me at my first day at my new school. I had a bellyache. I remember the day clearly. No bellyache was there. I was just a mummy's boy. You know, I, I just moved to Perth. I didn't know exactly where she was. I wanted to make sure all was good. So my controlling move was, hey, I've got a bellyache. Mum, come and pick me up. She goes, Tyce, this can't, you can't keep doing this, man, because because uh, it's my first day at my new job. Do you know how embarrassing it is to tell my new boss that uh, my son's got a bellyache? i got to go pick him up. That boss automatically thinks, all right, we've hired a... We've hired a dud. She wasn't. She was great. Perth Radiation Oncology Centre was the name of that business. Hey, big shout out to them. Thanks for thanks for uh, letting mum hang around despite the, the fact I was calling her out of work a little bit early. Yeah, it's, it's funny as you get older. It's funny as you get older. I used to look at my mum back in the days, and I remember I remember the day she turned 40 because I was 10. We were standing at the Wanneroo Markets in WA. I was like, my mum's 40. Now that's five years away from me. I got, I got one, of my, one of my best mates is 42. I don't even think anything of it. It's weird when that where you catch yourself like that. Like you're, you're hanging out now with people that you once looked at. I guess that's just the nature of life. Like it'd be weird if I was still hanging out with 10-year-olds. Doesn't matter how good you're working with children, chickies. If all your mates are 10 and you're 35, that's going to raise some questions. It should. It should raise some questions. But it's true. There's certain things that highlight to you. I was having this conversation with a mate yesterday. There's certain thing that highlights to you. Um, you know what I'm trying to say, don't you? There's certain things that highlight to you that you're getting older. I was standing in my backyard the other day and I was looking at my lawn. I thought, man, this looks good. How good does the lawn look? <laughs> That's an older person thought. There's different things that give away that you're an older person, I reckon. Like admiring your backyard is one of them. Looking at a passion fruit tree and going, hey, that's a nice passion fruit tree. <laughs> like, or getting annoyed. I had one the other day was I was walking around a corner. I was in Geelong here and a bloke came around the corner. He was about 10 years old. He was on a skateboard. And inside, my initial reaction was like, get off your bloody skateboard, you dickhead. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, look at me growing up, getting angry at these little skaters. Like, there's a whole heap of things that give away that you're getting older, isn't it? Like you read the newspaper with lunch is one of them. If you've got an even mild interest in the stock market or talking about finances, you know, you're either a very mature young man or woman or you're now middle-aged. I think a dead giveaway is if your jocks come up over your belly button, you know, you're getting older. 
my nan used to have some. I think they covered her nipples as well. I would see them on the line. I was like, that, that's a whole bodysuit. Seriously, if you sewed up those leg holes, I could jump off a roof and float down to safety because I don't understand why they need to be so big. You know, then you'd see you wear tight pants one day. You go, all right, that makes a little more sense. Why you got tight pants on, then you're 81. <laughs> you live on biscuits. What I'm saying is you can make, if, you, if, you, if your jocks go up over your belly button or anywhere near your nipples, despite how hard they sag, that's not a, that's not a callback to anything to do with my nan, that's just a general observation. Uh, that's just, a, I guess, a community announcement. What other, what other signs are a giveaway that you're, that you're getting older? My mum hates going out in the dark now, that's a giveaway. I remember if it's dark, you have to be at home. Made, it, made our visit to Scotland tough. We got to Scotland one day and uh, you know it was the middle of winter, it was dark by 4 p.m. Mum's gone, Toss, I need to get home. I go, why? She's like, it's dark. I go, mum, we, we haven't even had an afternoon snack. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And the dinner, the restaurants for dinner aren't even open. She's like, I'm terrified. What is that about when you get older and getting scared of the dark? I remember there was never a time in my life when mum was scared of the dark. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh, it's 6 p.m., got to be home, lock the doors, both of them. I go, mum, you don't need the flywire double locked and the wooden door locked. She goes, you can't be too safe. I reckon if you're that desperate to break into someone's house, you just smash a window, don't you? Like if you're going to wake your way through a double locked wire door and then a, a locked wooden door, like, surely it'd be easy just to throw a brick through the window, but mum hasn't done anything. Her windows aren't bulletproof. I won't tell you the address in case you're a robber. But uh, that's a giveaway too. I think a weak bladder is another one, isn't it? Or if you, if you start needing to do a wee when you, when you laugh, that's a, that's a sign you're getting older. I think that one's especially for women. If you ever see a lady laughing, she's got her leg cr legs crossed, you know she's trying not to do a wee. I remember we were going over a, a crosswalk in Vietnam. Me and my mum went there back in 2017. And uh, I, I was telling mum jokes, and one of them really got her, but we're in the middle of a Vietnamese street. She's standing in the middle of the road with her legs crossed. I go, mum, this is so embarrassing. Like, I've told you a funny joke, and now you try not to wee on the path in Vietnam. This isn't even our country. You can't just be coming here and weeing on their floor. It's like, no, it's not out of disrespect. It's because your joke was so funny. I was like, mum, they don't know that. All they see is the, they just see the trailer wee. Oh man, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? We're living and we're learning, aren't we? That's a funny one. I think we actually had to go to Zara because she might have done a little. I can't talk about my mum. My mum ever hears this podcast, she'd be so disappointed that I'm telling people about her wee story. It's not like her wee story. It was our wee story. She was just on the side of the story you don't want to be on. She was the one trying not to wee. I was the one trying to. I was just. I've never worked so hard at trying to make my jokes land. Um, as, as what I was that day. I just, I just wanted to see if it would happen. I just wanted to see if a little bit of wee would actually come out because I'd heard stories before, but I didn't know if they were legitimate or not. So, hey, she managed to dodge that bullet. She did very well. We went out for a bowl of fur. We laughed. I think order is another, like order is another thing that you appreciate as you get older as well. Like you have to have your, to steal the metaphor, you gotta have your, your ducks in a row, like your, your house is clean. Everything has a place. I think that's why old people get angry when people go across their lawn because they're like, there's a footpath right there. I've just planted a whole heap of grass seed. Why are you running across it? I remember once I was about 14 running in Shirog and I, I ran across a guy's lawn. He came out the front. He goes, get off my lawn, you dickhead. I was like, whoa, what the heck? It doesn't even look that good. I didn't say it. I started sprinting because I thought, fire I'm about to get bashed by an elderly man. But, uh, yeah. 
One of, the, one of the signs that I feel like things have changed in my life, this isn't so much to do with getting older as much as it's to do with having kids, is I used to, every year, I used to admire or, or look forward to seeing what my Spotify playlist was. You know how Spotify plays you your most played songs in the last 12 months? The top of my list in 2021 was White Noise. I went White Noise, then Bob Dylan. I was like, Bob, this is... Uh, I want you to know how much I love you and your music and everything you've brought to the, uh, to the folk music scene. But at the moment, I've got a baby who cries through the night. I can't handle. So every night for eight hours, that white music plays, that white noise. Hey, but do you know how disappointing it is to, like when you and your wife are comparing the, the music that you both liked in that last 12 months and people start sharing their lists and you want to share yours, but you can't delete the fact that white noise is your most played track? Anyone with time to listen to why it was my most played track would understand, but it's just if you see that without any uh, sort of explanation, it's just a strange thing to witness, I reckon. Like, oh, what's he? He likes that, does he? He doesn't even have a beat. <laughs> he just misses flying. Just through this whole COVID period, it's been hard not to fly. It's like to lay in bed at night, pretend I'm in a cabin, flying to Abu Dhabi or whatever. I don't know why. I don't know why I said Abu Dhabi just then. That was a stopover point. I never spent a whole heap of time there. I spent, I spent some time there uh, when I was coming back from Nepal a couple of years ago, and one thing that I was excited to do, because I got the overnight flight, I was so tired when we got there, had about five hours to spare, and I, I, I heard that they had these sleeping pods, so you could go, you could, you could pay for the hire of a sleeping pod for an hour and a half or two hours, and I remember being like, this is going to be so comfy, and then I got into the sleeping pod, and there was a bloke in the pod next to me snoring his bloody Lou Abu Dhabi face off, it was disgusting, I couldn't sleep, so I paid 40 bucks to listen to a bloke snore, which was which was disappointing. I think I went outside the Abu Dhabi airport once. I met a bloke at the airport and we, uh, you know, we started going, we, we went on, it's funny, he wanted to go buy like this traditional, um, like a traditional outfit. So we went to the supermarket or to the shops and, and you know, we were, we were dressing up in outfits and, and coming out and getting the locals to take photos of us and stuff. Uh, he bought one, I didn't, I just wanted to play dress up. So I just, just that, that concept seemed fun to me. I thought it would have been a good idea to do. But yeah, I'm looking forward to traveling again. I think we're going to go to America in June. That's the plan. I reckon June, we'll go over there. I'll be able to, you know, hopefully just get a couple of other tracks on my phone that's not white noise because it's time to change that up. We've got to bring, we've got to bring Bob Dylan back. We've got to bring him back into the game, show him that, uh, show people in our shared music list that he's still the man. Do you reckon there's any other things that, that are evidence that you're getting older? That one really intrigues me because I, I, I sat down at Macca's last night. I went there to Macca's because Jesse was catching up with a couple of friends. And um, this was before we, we all had a group catch up. The girls were just doing their own little catch up. And so I went to Macca's and, uh, and I was just brainstorming through a couple, of, a couple of ideas. And, you know, I had a whole list of them, but I don't have them in front of me now. So I can't even share them with you. But... Um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I haven't sat in Maccas for a long time. I just went there, got a long black coffee at 4 p.m. And, and I was just listening to the 16-year-olds behind the counter having an argument. It was really funny. I don't know what they were arguing about, but I think there's there maybe like a little bit of sexual tension going on because uh, the, the bloke, was he was trying to talk to a girl, and the girl was just giving him absolutely nothing. She didn't want a bar of whatever it was that he was talking about. And the, I, I feel it. I know where the guy's coming from. I understand the, the pickle that he had found himself in, but the harder he tried, the less interested she became. I was like, bro, I feel you, man. I know what you're going through. I know what it is you're dealing with. 
And uh, yeah, I miss that. I miss that high school kind of drama. That high school drama is a little bit of fun. It's it's fun when you're not involved in the drama. Like when you're just an outsider, when you're just a spectator in that situation, going, "All right, like what's going on here?" That's always enjoyable because you love to see people make a fool of themselves. You love to see people make an embarrassment of themselves. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. For me, that was. It's just a. It's a bright part. It's a bright part of my of my past. I, I really miss that because today we're. Unless you're really close to someone or you had too much alcohol, we're, we're quite, um, oh, we're very mature, aren't we? Like we're so mature these days that you can't really, can't really have a good old argument with someone about something that really doesn't matter because, uh, you know, maturity gets in the way of that. Someone goes, oh, this is ridiculous. We've got to stop. But when you're 16, that part of your brain hasn't grown properly yet. So you get to the ridiculous part and that's just when you start to fire up. You start to get really, that's when you start to get more and more passionate about whatever it is that you're talking about. So... That was that was a nice little thing to relive, a nice a nice little uh, memory to rekindle. I thought that was fun, but I haven't been there for a while. But the uh, the Macca's Wi-Fi has improved a lot, actually. The Macca's Wi-Fi has improved a lot since we were last there. I was there last night. I uploaded a YouTube video which went for ten minutes. I couldn't believe it. But then the the quality is so high, and they've obviously got like they need a high turnaround. They can't just have people like me going in there to buy a, buy a coffee and and use their internet. So they have to, they, they give you like a little timer on their internet now. So they give you high quality internet for an hour. I had an hour and a half to kill, so I ended up going back to my hotspot. But but I mean, it was, a, it was a fun little journey. It was a fun little experience being back in there last night. We've been watching that. Uh, have you seen the new Underbelly show here in Victoria? It's Australia wide. I don't know why I think it's just uh, located in Victoria. It's not like the internet has a boundary. You could probably even watch it in America. We've been watching that the other day, and oh, Jessie loves that show. She loves Australian dramas. I don't really get into the Australian dramas too much because the actors are all the same, and most of them are shit actors. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? There's a couple of there's a couple of good actors in Australia, but most of them, I don't know. I don't know. I can never tell if it's the actors or if it's the way it's actually produced. Like you watch Home and Away, and you go, "Oh my gosh!" Just to, just to clarify, I don't want any of you to think I watch Home and Away. For for those of you overseas, Home and Away is a uh, it's like a, a Australian TV drama, which has been going from about 1987. Essentially, it's like 18 to 30-year-olds trying to get their breakthrough in in, um, in their acting career. I think Margot Robbie, she, I think she was on Neighbours, actually. I think she was on Neighbours. So they do produce, like they they do produce some good actors. I, actually, I shouldn't give them credit for producing the actors, but they they've had they've had a couple of good actors. But I guess if you've been around for that long, I think the show started 35 years ago. If you've been around for that long, you're gonna you just just through sheer trial and error, you're gonna have a couple of stars along the way. Mister Fisher was one of the characters back in the day. He's my uh, he's my grandma's brother, so that was my claim to fame in primary school. He was my he was because that was back in like 1995. Home and Away was I guess it was a fairly popular TV series back then, and uh, and he was he was one of the main characters. Mister Fisher, um, what do they call him on there? I can't remember his name. But I mean, it was just—it was just Australian. It was just Australian kind of stuff. Yeah, there's no huge big stars on the TV show. But Underbelly is one that I can make an exception for. I love the Underbelly show, especially. I feel as though the Underbelly show is a little closer to home because I've told you guys these stories before. But I remember—I remember having a photo one day uh, taken of me with a with a bloke with quite dark eyes and dark hair who, you know, he looked like he could have been quite a dangerous man. I said to Mum, "Who's this?" She goes, "It's Alphonse Gangitano." I said, "Mum." There was a whole there was a whole TV series made about this guy. How'd you know him? She's like, that's a long story. I used to hang out with a lot of boxers. <laughs> I found myself in the wrong scene. I go, Mum, you were very good friends, weren't you? She goes, Yeah, we were. We were very good friends. 
apparently he was spending time with us because uh, he was spending time down in Gippsland because there was a crime that was committed in Melbourne that no one was 100% sure who did it. So him and a couple of mates had to come and stay with us in Gippsland for a few days. I'm not saying it was him. I know nothing about it. I just remember the story in hindsight going, ah, a couple of these dots line up. A couple of things sort of make a little bit more sense now. I told you that. I think that was the trip where one of the guys said to my dad, he goes, hey, Poppy, you able to sell a little bit of marijuana for me? My dad's like 24 at the time. He goes, yeah, no worries. I'll be able to do that. And the guy's like, fantastic, mate. Just do as much as you can and uh, we'll organize a commission at the end. He goes, yeah, great. Where is it? And the guy went to his boot and pulled out like a garbage bag filled with bags of marijuana. Dad's like, I'm just 24. I was trying to be cool telling you I could help you out temporarily, but this is a, this is a task I'm not quite up to. Please don't make me do this. Like, let me off the hook. Man, that Alphonse Gangitano, he... um. He ended up, we were living in Perth, and I still remember we were in the kitchen back in, I think it was 1997, maybe 1996 even. And all of a sudden, mum started crying, getting real upset. I go, mum, what's going on? She's like, oh, one of my friends has been killed. I was thinking like car accident or whatever. I said, oh, what happened to him? And mum's like, oh, he got shot. I go, accidentally? They're like, no, I don't think so. It was, a, you know, it was found in the bathroom of his house. I go, oh, my gosh, mum. What's his name? She goes, that's Alphonse. Mum started collecting all these newspaper clippings and stuff like that. I was like, Mum, why are you so fascinated with this guy? She's like, here's my friend. It's like, far out. So by default, I go, Mum, just be honest with me. I go, by default, am I a gangster? She goes, no. I go, if I tell a couple of people I'm a gangster, am I lying? She goes, yeah, it's a lie. I said, Mum, what if it's just a couple of people I don't know that well? She goes, Tosh, you're not a gangster, mate. You're 10 to start with. If anyone's a gangster, I'm a gangster. I go, Mum, is my mum a gangster? She goes, no, I'm not a gangster. I was like, thank God, Mum, because I'm terrified of gangsters. <laughs> I feel like that's, um, yeah, I don't know. My Uncle Phil, my Uncle Phil was funny. He used to love, he lo used to love rubbing shoulders with these kind of people. I remember once we went to a, uh, went to a function at the boxing and, and Mick Gatto was sitting at our table. I was like, hey, Mick Gatto. He goes, hello, mate, who are you? I go, I'm a big fan. <laughs> What do you? That's a weird way to start a conversation with a bloke with a questionable reputation here in Melbourne, is it, mate? Big fan of your work. Oh, what? So, so Mick, he was acquitted, just so you know. But there's an Italian restaurant owned by the Italian restaurant. It used to be owned by a bloke I know, and the back at the back of the restaurant uh, was where one of these where one of these shootings went down. So Mick Gatto, uh, he was he was accused of murdering a bloke at the back of this at the back of this venue. But uh, when it came to the court case. Apparently, he just pleaded self-defense. He got away with it. I don't know what the whole story is, but to, to meet that guy and go, mate, I'm a big fan of your work. <laughs> that needs a little bit more context, doesn't it? And always, always in those moments, like just, you know, when you're, uh, when you're around a certain group of people, you find yourself just blending in with the kind of person that you think they want you to be. So he was there with like a big, he was a big like European Italian guy and he had swagger and chains and stuff like that. So all of a sudden I noticed my, my chin's up, my shoulders are back. Uh, I'll start talking about underbelly and how great a series it is just to, just to, you know, I was just trying to connect with the bloke, you know, just show him that we're on the same page. And anyway, I've got a soft spot for that TV show right now. So if you haven't watched it, Underbelly, really good. I think it might be Channel 9 or something like that. We watched the first episode the other day and uh, same kind of story. Like I don't, I don't think there's, I don't think there's incredible actors in it, but they're, they're okay. They're not too bad. Storyline was great though, I thought. I thought the storyline was great. We're one episode in. I want to go see the second episode soon. I don't know if it's just a two-part series or whether there's more coming, but, uh, you know, either way, I'm looking forward to seeing that second and last episode. I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to seeing what else comes up.
Hmm. I told you guys I'm back in the gym, didn't I? I'm back in the gym a little bit now, and uh, I find it I find it interesting because there's I, I told you a little bit about this last week. I won't say too much more, but it's just an interesting place. There's a, a different approaches to the gym. You've got all different you've got all different people from different walks of their fitness journey. Some people are there going, uh, you know, they're just trying to lose weight for the first time. Other people are. Um, other people are trying to turn heads. There's a couple of there's a couple of little glamours there, and they've always got like a brand new outfit on, just doing their thing, looking around as they're doing their shoulder press. Is anyone watching me? And then they see that someone is. They go, okay, I wasn't noticing. <laughs> Isn't that a funny thing? Like you look around a lot of the time. I do this sometimes. You look around to see if anyone's checking you out, and then you you see that someone's looking, and then you got to pretend that you're not interested, like you hadn't noticed. I'm not sure what that is, but the the problem with it is you never know exactly what the person's thinking. You never, just because someone's making eye contact with you, because this is the thing I always say to Jesse, I go, babe, did you see that? That chick was looking at me. So it's because you haven't plucked your eyebrows, mate. You look like a freaking idiot. You look like a bloody bloke that's straight out of Kazakhstan. I go, what do you, don't speak about the Kazakhstanis like that. She goes, no, what I was saying is she's not looking at you because she thinks you're attractive. So he's looking at you for your monobrow. I used to make that mistake regularly of seeing someone look at me and go, okay, <laughs> she just likes the pop. That's what it is. And I started saying it out loud a little bit too much and Jesse would go, babe, stop. I'm far more attractive than you. And far more people look at me than what will ever look at you. And, and I don't go on about it. I go, sweetie, build me up. Why do you have to put me down? Um, that's about it though. That's about it. That's about all that's happened this week. I'm trying to think of if there's anything else that I need to tell you about. It's happy with Carlton getting over the line. People are being hard on, hard on the Carlton Footy Club at the moment because they've, uh, I mean, they're just winning, which is better than constantly losing. But but on the weekend, we almost got beaten by the uh, the bottom team. One sec. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to go down to Melbourne again, tell some more funny jokes, go back down to the bear pit, try and get a try and get a spot up there, maybe tell some funny jokes. I haven't done it for a week now. I like to do it a couple of times a week, but it's been a bit of a break in between it. So hopefully uh, hopefully not too much rust is stored up. So I'm going to go down there this afternoon. should be a little bit of fun. If you're ever in Melbourne, you know, you've got to come and have to see a show one of these times. Maybe I'll do the festival next year. A lot of people will say, hey, when are we going to get to see you do comedy? Maybe we'll do a big show. We'll do a big show. That'll be fun. We'll do that next year. All right. Anyway, anything else that I've written down here that I need to tell you? Oh, that's right. Last story. Yeah, I caught up. I caught up with a with a, a friend from back in back in my old workplace the other day, and she's gone through the whole process of fostering kids. Anyway, apparently it's a really intense pro, uh, like sort of project, and, and and she had to have the agent of one of the foster care homes just come and see how she is with her kids. And um, anyway, it's like the final step of of their application. And one of her kids was just being a bit of a pain. They were trying to leave somewhere. Maybe they were getting a coffee or whatever. And as they were out getting their coffee, the little kid wouldn't want to go back to the car. So his mum, India, said, all right, I'll see you later. We'll just leave you there. And the foster care mum goes to him, hey, look, I'm just going to have to give you a heads up. When you get your new foster kid, can you try and avoid saying things like that? Because this guy's, the guy that you're going to get, his mum used to say stuff like that to him all the time. But she actually, she actually left him. Which is it's so sad. It's so funny as well. What an unfortunate predicament. The, the amount of times I say to my kid now, all right, I'll just leave you there. I'll catch you later and go back to him. But you forget about the fact that, you know, in some in some families, they, they say that and they actually back it up with action. They're not just talking the talk. They're walking the walk. And uh, that's the last time a couple of uh, a couple of young kids see their mums on this side of eternity. So I hope they all find them. hope everyone's, uh, you know, I want you all to be happy. 
Guys, anyway, that's enough from me. I'm going to get myself organized. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'll see you all here. We'll aim for next Monday. All right, check it out then. All right, see you later.